Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. You have your Bibles, I want to turn them to Matthew chapter 6, your smartphones or tablets, punch them up there, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 13. Uh, you may have recognized Aaron on the video reading the scripture. That is northern Saskatchewan, that is their snowfall right now, I'm thankful to be living here. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, there's no churches up in northern Saskatchewan where Aaron lives, so he often tunes in to our church, and so it's great to have him a part of the service today. Well, we are starting a three-week series on prayer, uh, and in some ways it's going to be a prayer primer. I'm hoping that your faith will be built and that you will catch a glimpse of what, what uh, prayer actually does, that you will be inspired and God will use this to, to move you forward on your Christian journey. I was reading a book uh, this past week by Tyler Stanton called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, which is a great title and even a better book. Um, and the book asks this question. If God gave you everything you asked for last week, what would happen? God gave you everything you asked for last week. What would happen? Hmm. I prayed for a lot of people to be blessed last week. Prayed for a lot of people to be strengthened and helped. Prayed for a few healings. But um, sometimes those were just prayed for in the sense that, God, would you help the doctors do what uh, they need to do and do it right? I prayed for a couple of people that they come to know the Lord. But overall, as I looked at my prayers last week when I read that question, I, I could have prayed for bigger things. Could have prayed for more things. How about you? If, if God were have to have said yes to all your requests last week, what difference would it have made? Um, I suspect... If you knew God was going to say yes this week, that your prayer life would be significantly different than it was last week. I suspect mine would be as well. I would not only be more specific in my prayers, I think I'd pray a lot more. Well, I want to take you back to why prayer matters. Back to the beginning of the Bible uh, for a moment because it answers the question, why are we here? So God created a good world and put humanity in this world, put his spirit in them. And then God gives us this job description, Genesis chapter 1, verse 25. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the, in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Why, why were we created? Well, the biblical answer is to rule or to reign. Now, this is not some sort of self-serving, power-hungry, manipulative kind of rule. We were made in the image of God. We were made to participate with God as he lovingly oversees this world. We were given the honor of joining with God, bearing his authority to rule in this world with selfless love. 
Now, if you follow the story of creation, you'll know that uh, Adam and Eve walk with God, and then they name the animals. We were made to walk with God and be managers here on earth. Well, as you know, that went sideways. Our natural resources are being pillaged, our environment is falling apart, half the world is dying from starvation, the other half from obesity. And the Bible tells us that, that this dysfunction that we see now is because of deception, because of sin. <clears throat> you and I lost who we were. We forfeited our position as co-managers of his creation. We gave up on our ability to walk with God, the ability and authority to rule over God's creation. And we actually gave that authority over to Satan. It's kind of like the paraplegic. They were made to walk, but something happened, and they lost authority over their legs. They were made to be managers of their legs, but no longer have the ability to control that. But Jesus came into the world to redeem us and to reconcile all things to himself. And he came to restore our authority. So on the night before Jesus was crucified, this is what he told his disciples in John chapter 16. Until now you have asked nothing, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. To pray in Jesus' name means to, to pray with recovered authority. To pray in Jesus' name means more than putting a tagline at the end of the prayer. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It means that we have been given authority, given back authority that we were to carry in the first place. As Tyler Stanton puts it, you are not Jesus, but if you were a follower of Jesus, every single time you pray, you come before the Father clothed in the robes and crown of a ruler, in the eyes of heaven, you are filled with Jesus' status and standing. Here's the thing. In Jesus winning our authority back, he won prayer back as well. Some of you are familiar with the idea of intercessory prayer. That that's the kind of prayer where we pray for others. That's the kind of prayer where we, we want God to fix something in our broken world. Karl Barth, uh, a Swiss theologian, said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against a disordered world. I love how Stanton puts it in Praying Like Monks. When we engage in intercessory prayer, we are loving others on the basis of heaven's resources. Prayer is high, heaven's high security clearance, free access to stroll right into the heavenly vault, gather up whatever we can carry, and hand it out to the world. We are rulers called, calling the shots for how heavenly resources are distributed, and intercession is the way of saying, oh, we've got to have something here. Look, there's something missing over there. It's a distribution of God's resources in the familiar environments that comprise our disordered world, among co-workers, roommates, neighbors, strangers, um, bars, cafes, soup kitchens, high-rises, housing projects, homeless, shelters, the down and out, the down and up. But here, here's the worst-kept secret in the church. 
Most Christians don't like to pray. Oh, we, we do it out of obligation or habit or obedience or guilt. We, we pray because we know it's good for us. Prayer is kind of the equivalent, spiritual equivalent of eating kale salad, right? Yeah. Um, but what if we've never plundered the riches stored in heaven's vaults? What if we have never really pushed back the curse alongside of God? Here's the thing. God doesn't need intercessors to manage his creation. He's not somehow overwhelmed with the responsibility of overseeing the world. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful God, and God doesn't need intercessors. God chooses intercessors. He chooses us to be co-managers, co-creators in this world with him. So back to our original question. If God gave you everything you asked for last week, what would happen? Well, let me take you to a way of praying that might be helpful. Uh, when Aaron read the Lord's Prayer in uh, Luke 11, uh, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer from Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Today I want to focus on just a couple of phrases. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This, this is Jesus speaking, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus says, when you, should, when you pray, pray like this, or this is how you pray. And he starts out by saying, our Father, Father. Now that would have been completely mind-blowing in the first century, uh, uh, to refer to God as Father. Now we take that for granted, but it's it's wonderful when you've invited Jesus into your life, that you've been adopted into the family of God, that you are a child of God, and God is indeed your Father. You can call God your Father, but we're kind of used to that. But then he says, he pray, Father, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name, which means you are set apart, God. While Father blows the mind of the first century people, the idea of hallowed kind of disturbs our mind. God is not only your father, but he is the God of the universe. He's not the man upstairs. He's not your buddy, although he wants to be your friend. But he deserves the greatest respect and awe and admiration. 
So the next couple of verses I want to focus on, though. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. That's another way of saying we live in a broken world, and God, we're asking you to fix it. And when you look at your life and you see relational breakdown or, or you pray for God to, to intervene in a situation that's not good, you're praying your kingdom come. When you look at a company, your company that you work for going in the wrong direction and you pray God fix it, you're praying your kingdom come. When you look at a problem of people going hungry or power being abused or, or conflict caused by selfishness and you pray about those things, you're praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And most intercessory prayers fall under the your kingdom come variety. God, fix what is broken. Heal what is hurting. God, do something in our world. And then Jesus goes on to teach us to pray to say this. Verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. I want to read a story that uh, Taylor Stanton tells about himself. Uh, he says, We circled the parking lot for a second time. I was sitting in the back seat of my mother's mother-in-law's SUV in a well-to-do suburb a couple of days after Christmas. The sprawling shopping center was, was dotted with chain restaurants and chain stores, and, and we weren't the only ones needing to make a quick return or two from our Christmas morning gift exchange. She slowly circled, uh, waiting to pounce on a vacant patch of concrete the instant someone reversed lights cl uh, clicked on. Then that's when I heard her say, to no one in particular, well, technically, it was to someone in particular, she addressed the statement very personally, but it rolled off her tongue like an afterthought. Jesus, help us to find a parking spot. Are you kidding me, I thought to myself in the back seat. We're operating an unnecessarily large vehicle for reasons I assume are ascetic, despite the well-known fact that vehicles of this size overconsume limited natural resources, and you've got the audacity to plead with God, uh, plead help from God who created the world, and we're so th uh, thoughtlessly plundering. We are waiting approximately 120 additional seconds to walk inside to change a few garments that we don't really need. And we're going to ask God, who, whose arrival provoked the command that anyone who has two shirts should share one with, with uh, one who has none, uh, uh, to help you pick out something more tasteful than the over, for our oversized uh, closets. With a straight face, you're, you're going to ask God to, to bend the, the arc of the universe in the direction of your shopping convenience uh, when 690 million are, people are going hungry today. And we're going to, going to let the leftovers in our overflowing holiday fridge uh, go bad. Do you think God is too busy addressing the hungry pangs of those people to worry about what uh, our wait to get into a shopping mall? That was my internal dialogue. Well, I didn't say it out loud. Then I was interrupted by her voice. Yes, there's one. Thank you, Jesus. 
He says, the, the story is mostly hyperbole. All the facts are true. But I'm not quite that unbearably judgmental. Close, but not quite, he says. But this is where most of us get hung up in prayer. The asking part. Jesus insists on it. And though Jesus insists on world hunger prayers, and he insists on parking, prayer, parking space prayers alike, he won't have it any other way. Right in the middle of a prayer as cosmic as hallowed be your name, as apocalyptic as your kingdom come, as contrite as forgive us, and as spiritual as deliver us from the evil one, Jesus includes the unavoidable, practical, circumstantial, and immediate. Give us today our daily bread. Intercessory prayer in its simplest form is simply asking God for help. But what should we ask God for help with? I've run into so many people who struggle with this question. Some will pray for others, but they have trouble praying for themselves. Others will ask God for the big things, but they won't ask God for the little things. Some, out of good motives, don't want to be selfish, so they don't want to ask God for what they want. How should we pray? What's worth praying for? Um, and what's just life? One of the striking things in the Lord's Prayer that, that we tend to overlook because we're reading our English translation is that this was prayer was given in the language of the people. It was prayed in the kind of language that you would have heard at the market, the grocery store, the Tim Hortons, or when you're out for a meal. One of the striking things about the Lord's Prayer is that, is that it is very, very common language. Contrast that with the stained glass prayers we often pray. Oh Lord, please grant me thy peace. We use a language that is different than our spoken word and that we use every day. You will remember that God's name is to be hallowed, that he is to be respected. The other side of that coin is that he expects us to come before him as we are. Not putting on airs. Not to become someone else. But will you talk to him? You should talk to somebody you meet on the street. One of the things I've noticed about my own spiritual life is the further I feel from God, the more formal my prayer language becomes. The closer I am to God, the more congruent my language is with how I would talk to other people. How I would talk to people I respected. 
When you talk to God, are you yourself? Or are you trying to put on airs? Now, being yourself, what are those things that you care about in your daily life? Do you care about parking spots or finding misplaced things? If you do, then that's a matter of prayer. See, when, you're, when your prayer language stays grounded, you stay grounded in God. Let me guide you to another way of thinking about prayer. Gratitude. What would you, what should you be thankful for? The gratitude of, you know, if that happened, I'd be very thankful for that. Indicates what we should pray for. Would you be thankful for a safe drive home? A problem solved? A resolution of an uncertainty? Then pray about those things. Yeah. Good things to pray about. If you find yourself complaining to others before you've talked about to God about the situation, yes. Your prayer life needs some work. And if you pray about the, the war in Ukraine to end, but neglect to give thanks for tonight's dinner of chicken fried rice, you, have, you miss out on a lot. If we're praying for a great revival in our area, but we miss praying about the little encouragements in our spiritual life, we miss so much. If we pray for people overseas, but we fail to pray for those who serve us at Tim Hortons, we're missing the daily bread kind of prayers. And if we only bring the big issues of our life to God and not the small issues of our life, then our, then our God is too small. Uh, you see that kind of thing? He says, um, I don't want to burden God with my little request because he has such big requests to deal with. And when we say that, we're saying, well, the, the almighty, eternal God doesn't have the bandwidth to deal with the big request and the little request at the same time. That's not true. We often make our God too small. If we think we know the priorities of God and rule out parking spaces, prayers, in favor of praying for the starving people in Africa... Our God is too small because he has priorities in both places. If we say, well, we have to not go there so we can go here, that's problematic. See, it's not an either-or, it's a both-and. God is big and mysterious, and, and when we think we've got God all figured out, that's called pride. If we're sure, so sure about the mysteries of God, we've probably made God too small.
Start off today talking about how we were given authority to rule and reign with God in this world. We were given authority to be co-creators, co-managers with God in this world, but because we were deceived, sin came into the world, we gave up our authority, we, we handed it over to the evil one. But because of what Jesus did, we have been given our authority back in to pray in his name. In Jesus, our authority has been restored. We have the right to plunder heaven's vaults. But so many of our prayers have become restricted. I can only pray for the big things. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, God fix the broken things. We forget, give us this day our daily bread. I can only pray when I'm really, really sure that my motives aren't selfish. I can only pray a prayer if it's spiritual in nature. When we get to trying to tease those things up and those things interrupt our prayer language, all this self-examination without actually praying, we get into this restricted mode of prayer. When we get into a prayer where all our, church, all our prayers we pray are the churchy kind of prayers, not the restaurant kind of prayers, the Tim Horton kind of prayers, the work kind of prayers, we've restricted what God wants to do in our lives. And James says we don't have because we don't ask. So, I want to give you a challenge for this week. Hope you're up for a challenge. I want you to look at developing the habit of daily bread prayers. Here's your challenge. Every day this week, I want you to find 12 things, daily bread kind of prayers. God, I don't know about this. That's less than one an hour. If you go out, pray for the people you come in contact with. If someone comes to mind, pray for them. If you need something small or big, ask God for it. If you have a meeting or an appointment, pray about it before you get there. If you have a decision to make, or if you see, have, see something wrong with the world, pray about those things. Twelve things every day. It's less than one an hour. If you do this, it'll help you start to cultivate the godly habit of bringing the things that you encounter in your daily life to God in prayer. Reason why I want you to do this? I want to help you to live out Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. That's usually where people for, uh, focus on. I want you to focus on this. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need Thank him for what he has done. Try to practice this discipline throughout the day. But if you get to the end of the day and you realize, oh, I haven't done it, then ask God to bring 12 things to your mind that you could bring four. 
Um, if you need help on this, set an alarm on your cell phone that it beeps every hour. When it goes off, you say, oh, have I asked God for anything? Have I prayed about anything this past hour? If there isn't, then pray about what's around you. Of course, when God answers prayer, be sure to give thanks for that. Some of you will pray way more than 12 things. Awesome. Some of you will think, you get to Monday, and oh, what was the pastor talking about? Oh, yeah, oh, I forgot, it's too late. No, no, no. Start on Tuesday then. I'll send you an email to remind you if you're on the email list. Aim for 12. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. But the only way to learn to pray is to pray. What I'm talking about here is, is really normal Christian living, right? Just praying for those things that you encounter day by day. So, will you attempt to pray 12 daily bread prayers in this coming week? If you will, just nod your head. Okay, got about three quarters of you. The other, the other quarter of you, you know, ah, come on. Um, it'll make a difference in your world. Can you imagine if everybody at Asbury started to do this all the time? Our town would become this really well-prayed-for place, right? Because we encounter a lot of people all the time. We're raiding the vaults of heaven for our area. Why don't you give it a try? If it works for you this week, just expand it beyond a week. Let's pray. God, as we start out on the series of prayer, you tell us to pray about everything, to tell you about what we need, and to give thanks for what you've done. So often, Lord, our prayers become formalized. We've made you too small. We've made the scope of our prayer life too small. But I'm asking, Lord, Help us to expand our vision of you and help us to expand our prayer life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, Take care and God bless.